Blog Talk Radio. Radio program. I'm your host, Susan Larison Dam, and I am just so happy to welcome you all once again to another primetime show of the Frontier Beyond Fear. Um, and we're really starting a bit of a trend here um, at 7 p.m. Pacific and 10 p.m. Eastern, not every night, but more nights. So be on the lookout. And I welcome all of you listening in the archive as well to the podcast. Tonight, I just can't help but smile because I have really a wonderful guest on this show. I tell you, just to say, just to introduce him is to smile because his book just um, is so refreshing. I so enjoyed it. And I'll even tell him that I used one of his techniques in the last five minutes. And his name is Dean Slider, who I will be bringing on the line in just a second. And his new book is Natural Meditation, A Guide to Effortless Meditative Practice. And Dean brings to us a wealth of experience. And if I can tell you anything at the outset of this show, it is to release every expectation Everything anyone has ever told you about meditation, you may be stumbling into this show right now and saying, "Uh, I don't know how to meditate or I've never known. And listen, I really want you to listen to this message because I'm like you. I am the perfect host for this show today, which I will tell Dean in a moment, um, because I have had a number of misconceptions or preconceptions about meditation, and I know that Dean can help us all. Let me tell you just a little bit more about him. Um, He has written multiple books that all sound very interesting, um, including the, the Zen Commandments, Ten Suggestions for a Life of Inner Freedom, Cinema Nirvana, that sounds really interesting to me, Enlightenment Lessons from the Movies, and and also why the Chicken Crossed the Road and Other Hidden Enlightenment Teachings from the Buddha to Bebop to Mother Goose. He has taught thousands of students and people in very diverse settings, many of which are not restful, such as prisons. And he has taught high school students and entrepreneurs meditation. He himself has spent a lifetime exploring Eastern and Western meditative practices. So I am just so very delighted to bring Dean Slider on the line. Welcome, Dean. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, I am really happy to have you here. And I have to compliment you on a book that um, you can't help but laugh when you're reading your book. (laughs) I mean, I couldn't help. I I couldn't help. I couldn't help but laugh hearing your wonderful introduction. Thanks so much. (laughs) Well, I'm going to tell you something right at the outset. Um, Last night we had a glitch on the show, and I got totally disconnected, and the the guests kind of came in late, and there was dead air time that I thought must have been three minutes. It turns out it was only 15 seconds, and there's actually a Mm -hmm. reference in your book about radio hosts and air time, which I found really funny. Right. But tonight, I will tell you, every night, and all those blog talk radio hosts out there, and they listen to this show, let me tell you, 
um, they're waiting for guests to come on the line, and they're thinking, well, you know, it, is this person going to call in or not? You know, you always, I mean, you believe you will. I mean, they, they always <laughs> do. But, but there's that mm-hmm. moment of, you know, what if what if I don't have a guest tonight? You know, what am I going right. to talk about? Am I going to play a song? Am I, you know what I did? Right. I said, I what? started noticing my breathing. The very first thing in your book, I just said, okay, I'm right. just going to watch my breath. I'm just going to watch it. And, you know, these thoughts would come into my head like, you know, oh, what? If, and I, I started, you know, I'm a I'm a novice, believe me. But that's the whole idea. And, yes. and I, it started to work. So five minutes, I'm sold. Thank you very much. <laughs> yep. Oh, it's such a pleasure. By the way, People always tell me this, oh, I'm just a novice, I'm just a beginner, uh-huh. don't expect much from me. And I'll tell you, my favorite people to teach are novices because uh-huh. they're not full of all, you know, they don't have a, a year or 10 years or 30 years of ingrained habits of, you know, grinding their gears and yeah. trying to meditate. The whole point of what I'm saying is that, yeah. you know, that um, – uh, that Tom Hanks movie, A League of Their Own, you know, the famous uh-huh. scene where he, he says, there's no crying in baseball. And <laughs> and, he, he, and he plays it brilliantly because then he says it about a dozen times each time he uh-huh. says it a little different way. So I've heard so many people tell me, well, I've tried to meditate, but mm-hmm. and at that point I stop listening because it doesn't matter what they say next. That's the problem. The, yeah. There's Just as there's no crying in baseball, there's no trying in meditation or in in natural meditation which is what i teach and my whole emphasis is that most of the things that people think of as meditation such as trying to concentrate trying to hold Uh your mind on one thing trying to push thoughts out trying to feel spiritual trying to dwell on philosophy you know it that those are the artificial ingredients those are the and when once you throw out the artificial ingredients, what's left is natural awareness and our own natural sort of gravitational pull toward greater happiness. You've noticed on the cover of my book there's this simple picture of a feather floating down out of the sky, just about to kiss the ground. Yeah. And the re the reason that that's there is that our minds naturally gravitate toward whatever gives them more happiness, more fulfillment, more of a feeling of, ah, everything's fine now. So that, and and really it's so ingrained in our nature. It's what we're looking for all the time. You're standing in line at Ben and Jerry's looking at the menu, you know, trying to decide what you want. What you want is infinite happiness. You want nirvana, but it's not on the menu, so you settle for Cherry Garcia. That's basically, that's the story of our lives right there. So what we do in natural meditation is for once allow that natural gravitation of the mind toward the, just the boundless happiness, which is as all the great sages from Buddha to Jesus to Socrates, as they all attest, that is within us. The kingdom of heaven is within you. So that all it takes is a gentle turning of the mind inward which is really what I, you know, show in the book. Well, how to do that? Just take that gentle turn within and then let gravity take over. Yeah. You know, Dean, I have to admit, I think there are a lot of people um, who are involved even in the spiritual community. You know, I've had this show for almost five years. And, Mm -hmm. you know, one of my, it's not so much a dark secret because sometimes I mention it, is I don't, practice is coming late late to me you know and there's that word you have to have a practice you know mm-hmm, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and and i wonder sometimes dean and i think you can help us that there are those of us wandering around you know and we don't have to be spiritual either we're wandering around life in different ways but i know that mm-hmm. there are listeners to this show who are in quote the spiritual community however you might define that and and mm-hmm. we don't you know maybe we don't want to tell other people or maybe if we're really honest like like i try to be yes mm-hmm. you know i this is an area where it's kind of a I haven't known what to do with it. You know, I started yoga last year. <laughs> and and mm-hmm. actually, we'll talk about the positions here. Because mm-hmm. some of those, I know that's in, 
you talk about that. And, you know, that seems to be a misconception, too. I know you address. In fact, we should probably just go through these misconceptions. Mm-hmm. But I guess what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say is that there are those of us who are even in the spiritual community who maybe, you know, just feel like we're missing something. You know, we, we have certain things going, but but this whole meditation thing, and, and right. we open the door to, to just relaxing about it, and, and I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. What a novel concept. Just relax about meditation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's to put it to, when you put when you put it that way, it just points out how absurd it is to, you know, I'm gonna work really hard at yes. settling down. You know? Yes. <laughs> hey, look, what it comes down to is this. Any effort to create a non agitated state of mind is itself a form of agitation. Yes. I'm going to say that one more time because it's so it's almost like a mathematical equation. And when I say this in workshops, by the way, I don't like that word workshop. It should be a, called a playground. Oh, <laughs> you know? I love that. But I but but I got to use this workshop. Use this word uh-huh. workshop because otherwise, you know, I didn't even want the want the word meditation in the title of my book. But you know, because I it, it's you know it's 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 hanging out. It's doing nothing. It's letting nature take over. And my publisher said, yeah, but if if we don't put the word meditation on the book, no one's going to buy it. So, <laughs> oh, well. we, so, we, so we put the word meditation on the book. Uh-huh. Um, and in fact, the Tibetans have a wonderful saying, which I quote in the book. They say, gompa mayin, kompa yin, which means meditation isn't, acclimation is. Right? Meditation isn't there is no such thing. There's no thing to do that you know, when we say meditation it sounds like another activity, but it's actually not. But it it, it sounds like another task, especially it's such a big in English, big word, four syllables. Meditation. Yeah. I must be yeah. doing something really fancy and, and strenuous. And in a way that word it's a it's a scam. It's really something to get your spouse and your neighbors and your kids to leave you alone for half an hour. <laughs> oh he's look out, he's meditating. Um so that you can just be by yourself, take this gentle turn within and let gravity take over. So the Tibetans say, Gompa Mayan, Kompa Yin. Meditation isn't, acclimation is. See, the reason we still, most of us, have to log some time in so-called meditation, in this, you know, essentially doing nothing, is because we're, our habit of turning everything into a task is so ingrained, understandably, because, you know, almost everything else we do, justifiably, we have to work at it. But that habit is so ingrained that when we sit down to, quote-unquote, meditate, we tend to turn that into a task. And that's self-defeating because, again, any effort to create a non-agitated state of mind is itself a form of agitation. So what I show people in my workshops, which I teach all over the country, and I'm starting to go international, and what I show in the book is, okay, this is how to don't create, don't put forth that effort, don't create that agitation. It's like, you know, people... People think that, oh, meditation means all my thoughts have to settle down. Yeah. My, how can I meditate when my mind is so busy? And that's like looking out at the surface of the ocean and saying, how am I going to flatten out all these waves? So, you know, you yeah. go out there with your big mallet and start pounding away <laughs> at the waves, which is, you know, the approach that many people, maybe most people take to mm-hmm. meditation. I'm going to pound it down. And it's like playing whack-a-mole. You know, you hit one, three more pop up. And actually in the ocean, if you start waves, you're just, again, creating more turbulence. Now, what I show is how to just let go, let gravity take over. And then what you discover is about an inch or two below the surface, the ocean is always silent, even as the waves are rocking and rolling on the surface. So you just don't worry about the, what the waves are doing. You don't have to get rid of all those stuff. You cannot the Buddha couldn't get rid of his thoughts. No one can get to say, oh, my, my mind should not think thoughts is like saying my eyes should not see colors or my ears should not hear sounds. The mind is supposed to have thoughts, but meditation is about settling down into that deep core awareness, the core of our being, which is below the mind. 
you know, Dean, there's I think that sometimes we've heard so much and and you know, even on this show I've had a number of guests talk about the monkey mind and I know you've addressed this and it seems <laughs> yeah. like we've made it into this monster like Godzilla. Yes. You know, it's like yeah. it's it yeah. and, What's wrong? and that What's we've wrong inflated with it monkeys. so much and and maybe monkey, we need monkey. to stop that. <laughs> Monkeys are cute little critters. What's what's wrong with monkeys? <laughs> Come on, hey hey, we're the monkeys. You remember that? Uh-huh. Um, there, uh, you know, I could not wait to write that chapter, which I titled uh-huh. "The Myth: The Myth yes. of Monkey Mind." It that is talk about scams. And and if I had a dollar for every time someone has said to me, usually at the beginning of a workshop. Oh, you! My monkey mind is so out of control. You're not going to be uh-huh. able to to tame it. And I always say, Yeah, you're right. Uh, because uh-huh. again, that and everyone thinks, Oh, there! I'm so special. My monkey mind is uh-huh. the most. Out of, um, it's first of all, every, and people will tell you, and you'll read this on websites. Yeah, the Buddha said we all have monkey minds. The Buddha never said that. That was made up by some Chinese writers centuries after the time of the Buddha. He never said that. Um, the, well, here's the short version. The, the idea of monkey mind is that all the mind is, is like this out-of-control monkey. It's just swinging uh, aimlessly from branch to branch, and the only way to get it to settle down is go out with a big net and a, and a chain and forcibly you know, catch that sucker and, and hold him down. Um, short version. I would point this out. The mind, let's, let's grant for the moment that the mind is like a monkey. It's not completely true, but let's just grant it for the, for the moment. If the mind is like a monkey, yeah, it's swinging from branch to branch, but it's not swinging aimlessly. The monkey is looking for a banana. Hmm. And the, the mind, as I said a little while ago, the mind is always looking for happiness, for fulfillment, for gratification. So if we get the mind, again, just that gentle turn within um, using any of the, what I call the on-ramps or the vehicles that I, I outline in the book, such as gently resting, not, notice I'm not saying concentrating or focusing, gently rest the mind on the heart center, on a mantra, on the single breath or a number of vehicles, the open sky, and then let gravity take over, then the, the monkey automatically settles down with the banana. You turn the monkey toward the banana, he's not going to go anywhere else. Yes. What, other, what barriers to meditation do people report to you? What, what are the common things that people would say would keep them from meditating? Yeah. Right, right. Barriers, and and I'm, you can't see me here at the other uh, end of the phone line, but I'm putting air quotes around that word barriers. Yes, that is, <laughs> and that's fine because I know you 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 yes. address this, and I'd like you to because I know everyone out there who's listening can think of something like I mean, one you yes. do, you know it's too noisy. There's one, it's or, too, or it's go too ahead noisy. and address them. I, I, <laughs> yes. I have too many. I it's too noisy. I have too many thoughts. I'm too busy. Let's let's take noise right now. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that uh, I teach meditation in prisons, and the, yes. the prison where I've done the most work is uh, Northern State Prison in Newark, New Jersey. It's considered the roughest prison in New Jersey. I've been working there since 2005, and um, I, I was just out there actually last Thursday night, and it's just one of the greatest joys of my life is working with these guys. They are so sincere. They're so serious about their practice. I don't mean solemn. I mean serious, dedicated, because mm-hmm. they, you know, this. the Buddhists did say practice as if your hair is on fire. You know, the urgency. This is important. It's mm-hmm. much more than a matter of life and death. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's much bigger than that. And these guys know that. Uh, when yeah. I was just out there, and I, I used to live in New Jersey, and I could go every Thursday night now, I can only go a few times a year because I, I live in California. And I was out there, and there was one guy I hadn't seen in a while. As soon as I walked in, I said, wow, you look great. You are glowing. And he said, yep, the stuff works. <laughs> he said, "He said I'd Very like cool. you to see the 
He said, I want you to see the photo of me when I came into this place. I look 10 years older in the photo. Now, so these guys, they're the masters of meditation. They're my teachers. In, when we sit there in the chapel, and I'm putting air quotes around the word chapel because really it's a cinder block bunker, um, where we practice, right above our heads, there's this great big loudspeaker. And in the course of one meditation, maybe two, three, four times, five times, announcements come over the speaker, and it's really loud. Attention all areas, attention all <laughs> units, Spanish choir out to the gym. It, it rattles your bones. Uh-huh. And my guys sit there, my guys sit there, and they're completely unfazed. Now, contrast that with, you know, here I am in the lovely, you know, Santa Monica by the sea, and I can be, you know, here in paradise under the palm trees. And I've conducted sessions here where, you know, people say, she, you know, is really great, but then that, that dog barked down the street or that <laughs> bus went by, and it really ruined the experience for me. Um, so what's great about meditating in prison is there's so much that you can't control. You can't fool yourself with the illusion that you're going to get all those ducks in a row and then I can meditate. Why does noise not matter? You actually know this. You've done it thousands of times in your life. Every time you sit in a crowded restaurant and you have a conversation with the people at your table and there's all these other conversations going on around you. You, you don't have to wait for those conversations to stop to have your conversation. You don't have to go around shushing those people. If you try to do that, you're going to create a major problem. You don't have to try to mentally block it out. That way you'll create another, mental, another problem. You'll give yourself a headache. What you do is you just have your conversation. You're light, without even thinking about it, you're just lightly placing your attention in the conversation you want to have. And the rest of it's there in the background somewhere. You, you don't bother with it, and it doesn't bother you. So that's exactly the attitude to bring to meditation. So once you understand that about noise, we can apply that to everything else. Thoughts are exactly like sounds, only they're on the inside of your skull bone instead of the outside. They're just, they're just sounds that are a little quieter. You just regard the thoughts as if they're in a in you know Serbian or Croatian, some language that you don't speak. Um, you don't in, try to push them away, but don't engage with them. And when a thought comes along that, oh, but this is the, just if I could just resolve this thing, this is so <laughs> urgent, so important, as you know, it happens to everyone, then what I would suggest to you is think about this. What was your all-important, urgent, must-resolve thought five minutes ago? <laughs> that, that ah, you probably probably like can't that. even rem- yeah and you probably can't even remember it now so you just make up your mind okay if there's stuff to resolve decisions to make I'll do it after I'm done meditating uh, for now I just consider it to be conversations with the other tables I consider it to be in another language you know the in Buddhist philosophy they um, say you have six senses seeing hearing tasting touching smelling and thinking. So thoughts are considered just to be subtle sense objects like colors Mm -hmm. or sounds or textures. And when you look at it that way, then you realize there's nothing special about thoughts. They're just just part of the landscape, part of the wallpaper there. I don't have to be sucked into them. I don't have to buy into them. You know, I think that that what I find attractive, and I'll I'll tell you, Dean, um, and I've said this before on this show, is that if some of my old friends... Um, saw, oh, Susan has a show about getting beyond fear. Do you know what they would say? (laughs) Susan has a show about getting beyond Uh, fear? uh. Um, Because I come, by the way, my family, I wasn't from there, but most of my family, which is quite large, is from New Jersey and New York. (laughs) And they are a long line of warriors, let me tell you. Not warriors. Doing the thing about fear, and it's something that I that that was told to me 
by my dear friend and mentor who actually just passed away on um, uh-huh. this past Sunday, uh, Jeremy Tarcher, who is the founder of Tarcher Books, which is the, the publisher uh, of, of several of my books, including this one, Natural Meditation. And Jeremy was just a beautiful, wonderful, wonderful person. And pretty much he pioneered mind, body, spirit publishing in this country way back in the early 70s. Um, uh-huh. And the fact that there are people in the, all over this country that know about yoga and meditation and drawing on the right side of the brain, which was one of his and so forth, uh, it's because of Jeremy. Now, Jeremy was also on the board of the Esselin Institute, you know, which yeah. out in California here, which was one of the first, um, um, you know, humanistic, human, human potential learning centers with meditation workshops and so forth. And he told me once, he said um, that um, they have a saying there on the board of Esalen. It's kind of the unofficial slogan of Esalen, which is, you always teach the workshop you need Mm-hmm. And you're and you're always your own worst student. Hmm. <laughs> How interesting. Yeah. That yes, yes. I I and, someone has and, said to me once that you teach what you most need to learn. <laughs> right. Yeah, oh absolutely. And in fact as I as I you know, I tell the story at the beginning of my book, the reason I had to find natural meditation, meditation that's not about concentrating, not about sitting still like a stone Buddha, is because I couldn't do it. I'm naturally a more high-strung person. I tried to be a Zen student. That lasted for about three days. I was the world's worst Zen student. I couldn't sit still. I couldn't hold my mind still. I wanted to get out of there before they started whacking me with the stick. And that (laughs) forced me to find teachers who said, no, Dean, you're right, it's not you, it's them. It actually, it, not only is it possible, but it, the most effective way to meditate is this more human way where you don't have to sit like a stone Buddha. The Buddha didn't sit like a stone Buddha. Those stone, you know, he was, he was not stone, he was flesh and blood. You know, and there's, there's another area, and I certainly discovered this when I, when I, um, I started yoga, which is a little mm-hmm. bit different. But some of the positions, I mean, they they are uncomfortable to me. They might have been comfortable when I was a child, like sitting cross-legged. Um, right. That people, you know, that used to be a comfortable position for me. But at my age now, um, I'm getting mm-hmm. a little more, it's getting more so maybe the more I do. But, you know, I guess that can be something when we put the barriers in quotes. And I know you talk about some different positions. And I will tell you, I experimented with some of those. I, I There's a lot of mm-hmm. stuff in your book that you want to spend time with. But I really was curious, mm-hmm. you know, would this one maybe more comfortable? There's one on the pillows and different different mm-hmm. ones. And, mm-hmm. and yes, to some degree, although, honestly, the hammock position is my favorite. <laughs> yeah, mine, mine too. Although I don't and, currently yeah. have a hammock, but... Right, right. So talk I, I about positions, because I know people, yes. they, they think about this, I know, like, like I have. Yeah. Um, one of the first things I tell people in my workshops is please make yourself comfortable. I always mm-hmm. want to make sure there's ch- plenty of chairs for people. Uh, that every, You know, people often think, okay, if I sit on a cushion and I look like a cool yogi, like the pictures in the books, then somehow I'm going to get extra points and it yeah, doesn't work yeah. that way. I mean there are there are some good reasons for those traditional poses. Uh there is something nice about sitting without your back pressing against anything and being able to sit for, you know, fairly long periods in a in a position that's going to be comfortable and, you know, relatively upright. However, those positions were developed in India. And, and, you know, by yogis sitting in jungles where they, they didn't have chairs. And even, you know, when you travel in India today, I was just there in October, um, you know, you see it, it's a culture where people, like most of the Asian cultures, where people sit without chairs, they squat a lot, and the muscles in their legs and hips are real different from those of, of Westerners. It's very comfortable for them to sit in those positions for long periods. So if you can get comfy that way, great. Otherwise, use a chair, use a hammock. Um, 
and and the and in fact it's interesting because the uh you may know this from your study of yoga the platform text of the whole uh science of yoga is the yoga sutras of patanjali um and all those you know 84 poses or however many poses they teach in in yoga classes they're not in patanjali's yoga sutras in that whole book because the word yoga literally means union and as a teacher of mine used to say it's not the union of the head with the knee it's the union of our attention with that field of boundless beingness of just you know perpetual ah that happiness we've been searching for all our lives it's the the union of our attention our limited attention with that limitless field of of awe of happiness. So in the whole Patanjali Yoga Sutras, that's what it's about. It's about that whole meditative art skill of settling down into that. In the whole book, there's only, you know, usually when people say yoga, what they're thinking of is asanas, which is the postures. Mm -hmm. And in the whole Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, there's only one sentence about asana, about posture. And what he says is asana or posture should be comfortable and steady period amen comfortable and steady find a way to sit where you can sit steadily and be comfortable done how interesting well well i will tell you dean that one of the reasons i had been a person who was reluctant to try yoga um, which is Mm -hmm. a whole different topic but i will say I selected a teacher that is specifically pretty relaxed about the the whole thing. And so and and right. how I ended up there was because they also had, you know, the first class she ever had in our community, um her her studio burned down and she showed up down the street basically is what mm-hmm. happened. Um and mm-hmm. that's how I found it. And it was right. about relaxation. That's all it was. Yep. And and the it's also a fairly long class and at the end we have a very long period of what one would call meditation. And we're just laying. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it's called. I'm still a pretty new student, very new. Sh- Shav- but she has Shav- a name. Shav- where, that's it. Shavasana, corpse <laughs> pose. Yep. Yes, which is supposedly the hardest, which when when she first, and this will raise an interesting question, actually. Mm-hmm. When we first did this, Dean, um, we were right next to an Italian restaurant, and it was lunchtime. Like. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and the, he was well. It was before lunch, and and so he would be preparing next door, you know, lunch. And so mm-hmm. smells. That was really mm. interesting. How smells right. would come into our awareness of Italian food right. cooking. And by the way, I am Italian, and you know, uh-huh. from New Jersey. <laughs> no, right. I'm not, but my what family. And and yes, that interfered. You know, it seemed to. Hello? Are you there? Okay. Yep. Hello? 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 Yeah, I lost you for a moment. Oh, okay. good. I'm, I'm glad, glad I got you back. <laughs> All okay. right. Well, we're last. Okay. Yes? So, okay. Yeah, so the Italian food you were saying interfered. Oh, the smell. Yeah, what about, you know, things like that? Like, say you go to, uh, here I was in a, a technically a meditation class, and it smells mm-hmm. were coming in, and that you know, you were doing your best not to pay attention to the smells. So so what might I you, have no, done as no, a natural you, meditator? No. Yeah, you were doing your, your best. It, I just you know, said it, wasn't I? I was that, trying. Right. There's all, there's exactly, exactly. You know, and yes. you said that thing a, a minute ago that caught my attention. You said Shavasana, lying there on your back in the corpse pose doing nothing is the hardest that's not, what our not. teacher said. That's yeah. Well, okay. That's the place where I. That's the place where I'm going to disagree with her. It, All right. No, that's the, okay. Again, it, that, that's the hardest if you're setting up a. Anytime that's someone it. says it's hard, you know, I'll do something like, you know, I'll get out of my chair and I'll try to pick up my chair with one finger, and I'll say, uh-huh. okay, here I'm doing something. I'm trying to pick up the chair with my finger. That's hard but I'm being very specific here about what it is I'm trying to do. What are you trying to do that's hard? See, I, that's, see, it's, that's it. That's oh, very I important this. to define yes. that. Yeah. That's now, if you're, trying, if you're trying to exclude 
all the sensory input. You're trying to exclude Mm -hmm. the smells, the sights, the sounds. And everyone goes through that, by the way. Everyone tries to do that meditation. If you're trying to exclude that, that's beyond hard. It's impossible. The Buddha couldn't do it. Lao Tzu couldn't do it. No, No one can. The Dalai Lama can't do that. What's different between them and you is they're not trying to do it. They know that they don't have to do it. Look, if yeah. you were a Buddha, whatever room you're sitting in right now, okay, whatever sites you're and, – and this, you know, I'm addressing this to everyone listening to yeah. this. Wherever yeah. you are right now, you're hearing this in the car, you're seeing the traffic going by, or you're sitting in a room somewhere, you're seeing whatever you're seeing. You're hearing – right now I'm hearing a siren in the distant background, and um, whatever smells you might be smelling. If you were a Buddha, and I'm not saying a Buddhist, a Buddha, an enlightened mm-hmm. being, whatever that is – Right now in this situation, what would you want to change about your experience? Okay, you know the answer to this, right? Which is nothing. If I were a Buddha, I'd be cool. I'd be fine with all of this. And everyone, I've been asking people that question for years. They all know the answer. No, there's nothing I'd want to change. And we all intuitively know this. There's not, and, and, and the conclusion we can draw from that is there's nothing wrong with the situation. You know, who's right now, me or the Buddha? Me who's trying to block all this stuff out or the Buddha who says, no, I'm cool with it. Yeah. Okay, uh, clearly the, the Buddha is, and all it is is you stop defining um, okayness. You stop defining relaxation or meditation or happiness or peace as a situation where if I could just change this one thing, yeah, you know, it's like, you know, when you get that, you know, you're standing hand in hand with the one you love on the rim of the Grand Canyon, glorious sunset. You, you, you're, you, you've just had the perfect meal. You're having great digestion. You've been named employee of the month. You're having a great hair day. Everything <laughs> is perfect except for a back tooth you've got a piece of of stringy celery caught, (laughs) you know, and you're just like all you can think about, your whole attention goes to that piece of stringy celery caught in your back tooth. And it's like, oh, if only I could get rid of this and everything would be fine. And then you get rid of it and you go, ah, now everything's fine. And then you think, and it will be forever. And, of course, until the next thing comes along. And we keep going through that again. It's the story of our life. If only this is a, this is an expression we use with my guys in prison. That guy, everything would be fine if it weren't for that guy, right? Yeah. And that guy might be some particularly brutal um, corrections officer. That guy might be your cellmate, which is really tough. You know, the cellmate who just keeps keeps you know saying stupid things and smoking cigarettes while you're sitting on your bunk meditating, whatever. So that guy, every, if only that guy weren't here, everything would be fine. Um, you know, this phrase and, is, can I, ask you, can I ask you a question yeah. related to this? Because yeah. I'm really yeah. thinking about someone right here who does, who has listened to this show, someone, someone a loved one who, who had, a, had cancer, actually, and told mm-hmm. me once that when going through this situation, every mm-hmm. minute, felt like every minute, couldn't help but think about it you know it just couldn't get out of this person's right. thoughts and and right. i know there are people out there looking for relief from something like that that um you know we we can have some really serious things on our mind yeah. and and how can natural yes. meditation help us in those situations yes 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 yeah in fact i've got a passage all about that exactly that uh-huh. point. what you're just what you're describing is what's called fixation. Um, and it was, you know, long before Freud described fixation, the, you know, Buddhist philosophers were talking about it. Um, and, you know, it's like we've got, at any given moment, we've got 360 degrees of stuff going on all around us. Um, and what we do is, perversely enough, out of whole, all the 360 degrees, all those things that might be fine, we pick the you know the two or three degrees where things are not fine, and we put all yeah. our attention on that. You know, yeah. it's like if you watch a you bring your kid to the doctor to get a and the kid's getting a shot, and people say I can't concentrate, 
that's baloney. You watch them getting a shot, and perversely, we squeeze all our, you know, the way the kid cringes, they squeezing all their attention into that one tiny spot where the pain is and forgetting about the other, you know, 99.999% of their skin area, that's fine. So in the mm-hmm. same way, you know, I mean, I remember once my, my first wife who actually died of cancer, and we, we can talk more about this, but I remember once she, and we were living in, in uh, New Jersey at the time, and she brought our daughter when she was, you know, little at the time to up to a, a friend's house for a birthday party. And, and this was Short Hills, which you probably know, you know, that's where the rich folks live. And she gets there, and the, and the mom of the birthday girl greets her, and, and Maggie, my wife, says to her, you know, how are you? And she said, oh, my God, today has been my worst nightmare. And Maggie said, what is it? Thinking, you know, someone mm-hmm. you know, close to her must have died or she found That'd out. That would be bad, yeah. Yeah, she says, I've been waiting all day for the man to come and fix the electric garage door opener. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that sounds that sounds very very Eastern, by the way. <laughs> in the way, well, well, yeah, yeah, it's beyond, but, yeah, it's it's beyond Eastern and Western. It's you know, yeah, I and, know. And I let, say that. Well, I mean, yeah, Eastern let, in the let, U.S. Let me, where, but but yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's we can coast. get really. Right. I, there is kind of a culture. So this is why I say I know I, and I'm not saying it's not in the West too, but but I've noticed right. a little more laid backness. In the West, yes, and I live in Oregon, no, by true. the way. Uh, and, uh-huh, and my uh-huh. family moved to Colorado and noticed everyone was more laid back when they first moved right, there. Right, so, right. so anyway, right. yes, let go me, on. So let me tell you about when when Maggie, my first wife, got cancer. Because Maggie yeah. was a wonderful teacher of meditation. She was this beautiful, you know, funny, charismatic uh, 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 woman, former fashion model, and you know, uh, just a big personality. And and uh, people from all over the country knew her. And um, when she got cancer, and she would go for her couple of things. One is she would go for her chemo. And, you know, chemo, you have to sit there. So she would sit and meditate. And the people in the oncology unit, the doctors and the nurses and the techs, they were so bowled over by her evenness and her her happiness and her and by the fact that she was not doing what your friend does which is fixating on it all the time it was so clear to them that they brought her back and she wound up teaching the whole oncology unit to meditate um and then you know and ultimately you know her second round of cancer you know wound up being terminal and it was you know in so many ways so there's so many incredible teachings for me, going through that with her. Uh, she taught me so much. Uh, and I just really saw her. And one time, I just started to say, oh, Maggie, I just wish that. And she stopped me. She said, "She said, don't go there. You're just going to drag us into suffering. You know, yeah. Let it go. And, uh, and I, she used to say to me, you know, as the cancer progressed, you know, she'd say, how do people who don't meditate deal with these things? Yeah. And I, I would yeah. just shrug my shoulders. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, Dean, as you're speaking of this, I mean, I can't help but think of your own journey because, I mean, having someone you love, um, yeah. to lose someone that way, I mean, it it clearly you've kept even, and this yeah. has helped, helped you. Yeah. By the way, I wrote a piece about this that I, I want to wreck. It's one of the best short things I've ever written. It's in the Huffington Post. You can find it archived there. It's called Lord Shiva Kicks Ass. Okay. Yeah, we'll have Lord to check Shiva that Kicks one out. Ass. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and, and I talk more there about the experience of Maggie's death and, and uh-huh. how, and just the whole business for, for anyone, how loss, it's about the liberating power of loss the liberating power of loss. Wow. If you let it be that way. Yeah. Well, I know you can help. Well, we're all going to experience loss in, in one way yeah. or another and have. And mm-hmm. and um, I'm really curious to 
to check that out. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, um, as we as we look at this some more, let's see how we're we've got about um, ten usable minutes left of of the interview. Um mm-hmm. I just and and I know we kinda went we kinda went into a to a deep area here. And mm-hmm. um I you know here's here's a question I have for you. This is another actually fairly serious area. When and mm-hmm. I know that it's something people deal with. And um I have had a tendency at times to and I suppose fixation is is somewhat close to it, but just you know, even some addictive behaviors we can have, and and here's a really really good one, like mm-hmm. like all of our online tools, you know, checking checking this, checking that, you know, checking mm-hmm. for messages or whatever. Um, I know that you talk about how we can be assisted with our addictive behaviors, and mm-hmm. maybe that's similar to fixation, but if you could speak to that a little. It, it is. As a matter of fact, I wrote another piece more recently for the Huffington Post mm-hmm. called Meditating with the iPhone Zero. And, and I wrote it right right after the iPhone 6 came out uh, and um, and how, you know, you see so many people now, like you'll see a couple at a restaurant, as soon as one of them goes to the the restroom the other one immediately takes out the phone to just compulsively yep. check messages and yeah. um and i and i suggest there you you know and the thing is that all these situations where you find yourself fixated where you find yourself they can all be flipped around and turned into natural meditation because meditation is not just sitting in the chair or lying on the hammock whatever for your 5 minutes or 20 minutes a day that's important but also mm-hmm. throughout the day, all these situations can be flipped around. Like when you're sitting at the red light trying to make it turn green faster. And you may have noticed that doesn't work. So yep. what you can do is instead acknowledge, hey, the rest of my life, this is never going to work. And so every red light, I use it as an opportunity to ah, breathe out, sit back, and just let everything go, let everything be. Because it's going because you can't do anything about it. Just just accept that. And if you notice, well, I feel this restlessness. Okay, that's something you feel. It's one. It's another. Um, uh, just another sensation uh, within the field of your awareness. It's another wave on the on the surface of your your beingness. Now, in the same way, okay, you, with your, your date goes to the restroom. You feel this impulse. Okay, I, I got to whip out my phone. I might yeah. be missing something. There might be something yeah. important or something interesting or something engaging. Mm-hmm. And fine, you're gonna. And so, just don't do it. And when you don't right. do it, and I'll tell you, you're going to feel a wave of anxiety. Uh, but uh, feel that way. Yeah, feel that wave of anxiety. Notice we call them feelings because they feel a certain way. It's actually just uh, a sensation or a or a constellation of sensations in the body. And just observe those sensations. Don't try to repress them. Don't fixate on them. Just let them happen until, in their own time, they settle down. Let that wave of anxious sensation pass in its own good time. Once it passes, you'll be what's on the other side of that wave, which is called peace, silence, mm. settling. And that's how you turn it into meditation. And then you can apply wow. that to anything. Standing in line at the post office. You don't have to be sitting. You don't have to have your eyes closed. You can stand there and do what you've always done, which is you know, just uh, uh, shoot arrows of hatred at the person who's at the counter at the front of the line because they're <laughs> taking too damn long to buy their uh-huh. five cent stamps and pay for them with pennies. Or, you know, and notice everyone else in the line grumbling. Or you can say, okay, here's something I can't. As Willie Nelson said, fortunately, we're not in control. Fortunately, yeah. we're not in control. And just, okay, <sighs> breathe out and, and just let whatever the landscape of the post office there rest your gaze, rest your awareness in the middle of that. Let that be natural meditation. You know, as you're you're talking of this, I've been thinking that, you know, so often we've all had it happen. We we get in the wrong line, you know, we say that we got in the wrong line. You know, it doesn't <laughs> feel it doesn't feel good. You know, when you the mm. more the more upset 
you get about, you know, I'm late, I'm late, you know, that's the classic, you know, that like you right. said, you can't make the, the light turn green. And we've all had it happen. It happens to me way too often sometimes is where you just feel like, you know, you're late. Well, you can't control and it just physically you can feel it, you know, you, you grip up yeah, yeah. and 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 you don't want that. I mean you can well, again, well, I'm not well, trying well, here. I'm just okay, talking yeah. about natural meditation, you know, we can be helped with that. I had a great experience with this, a great experience with this just the other day. I had just finished five days of, of teaching workshops in New Jersey and had to catch the plane back here to L.A. And I was a little bit on the late side heading out to the airport, but I should have been uh-huh. fine. Then just as I'm getting onto the parkway, an oil tanker gets in front of me, slows me down, and then everything that could possibly slow me down <laughs> happened uh-huh. i get i i return my rental car at the hertz place and get on you know the air train that little monorail that takes you from the car rental yeah. to the terminal i yeah. get in the train the train doesn't move it's full of people we sit there for five minutes then comes the announcement the air train has broken down <laughs> there's a problem on the track that never happens that happens uh-huh. to me. yada 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 i eventually get to the terminal I'm now, and I look at my boarding pass on my phone, and it's it's gate 126 in Terminal C, way the hell, the far end of the terminal, and now I'm running. I'm pulling my yeah. little rolly. Yeah. I'm wearing really canvas loafers, the worst possible, and I run all the way. I get there out of breath, and oh, good, they're still standing in line. I go up. I show the lady my boarding pass on my cell phone. She says, you're not on the list. I go, wait a minute. This is one o'clock flight to LA. She says, no, this is the flight to Orlando. And then it turns out that mine has been switched to gate 86, which is way the hell the other far end of terminal C. So now I'm running there. And by the time I make it there, I'm drenched with perspiration. I I make my flight. But here's the thing. The whole time that's happening, I'm not going to say, oh, I didn't feel that. Oh, no. I'm feeling Uh all of that. Uh But I know that these are just feelings. I'm observing it. I'm watching it all happen. I'm kind of laughing underneath the, the all of that, and I'm and I'm experiencing that all that is happening on the surface, on on the level of the waves. Beneath it is this yeah. ocean of silence, which I've been, you know, thank God, thanks to the, the 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 grace of my many teachers over the years, they've pointed out to me that I can settle into natural. And the whole point of meditation is that it's not just you have some nice blissful 15 minutes and then it's the same old, same old, but that more and more it sticks to you. More and more you get to where you don't have to even meditate anymore. You're living that silence all the time. You're living that ocean of silence even as you're participating in the waves. And it's lovely when you get an experience like I had in that airport to show you, okay, this is a little benchmark. Good. You, A minus, Dean. You're mm-hmm. doing pretty good here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I think another thing that struck me as I was reflecting upon your book is that um, do do we find that that maybe we've been doing some of this all along? Like when you talked about um, sound, that part got to me. It's where I tend to walk out in nature and. Where I notice mm-hmm. this is every once in a while I maybe want to take a video. Like like I think, oh, I'm going to take a video of this beautiful bird, mostly an audio I want to get. And then I notice, mm-hmm. gosh, a plane was going over. Or, you know, and, mm-hmm. and honestly, I wasn't hearing the traffic on the highway that's not that far away. Right. You know, I'm not right. like backpacking into the wilderness. Or, and, right. or, and, and when I notice, you know, yeah, planes go over quite a bit. And yet somehow most of the time, I don't even notice that at all. It's just not right. even in my awareness. And so it's exactly. as if I've been doing it. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's it. Exactly. It's that, that, that art of non-fixation. We all know uh-huh. how to do it. Um, and, it's, and, and ironically and perversely, it's a, we sit down to meditate, quote, unquote, and because we've got this idea of trying and making every, mm-hmm. pushing everything out, that's the one time that we forget our natural skill of non-fixation. You know, I'm yeah. just kind of reminding people of, of what they already know how to do and showing them how to take it all the way in, all the way down into your core of, of being, of, of silence. Well, I, I certainly, um, I, I 
want to spend more time with your book. It is a book that you can spend a lot of time with because um, you you have a lot of practical exercises. And, you know, I certainly want to thank you for, for coming on to oh, my show tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I want, I, if I may, I'd like to invite people to my website, which is yes, deanwords.com, because no one can spell my name. So it's deanwords.com, and I've got my whole teaching schedule and people who want to bring me out to their area or their organization to teach workshops can contact me that way and there's chapters from all my books there's audio versions of my books video stuff is all on there yes and and i'll make sure i have the right um i think i do have your full name up right now i'll make sure i adjust mm-hmm. that on the web page so that i'm sure it all yep. goes to the same place but it does but it yes does. i i'm just I'm so happy to have had you here tonight, and and I'm really glad that you're getting out there and doing workshops or play shops mm-hmm. inter- internationally yes. because this is needed. It it's really yep. helpful stuff. Great, so, great. Um, thank you again. I I so appreciate you coming on, and I'm honored by that. Thank you. Thank you. Really a pleasure. All right. Take care. Um, just a few show notes. Um, we will be on the air again tomorrow. We're really, um, I'm, I'm really enjoying doing all these these interviews. We're doing the show more often. We being um, the the guests and 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 myself and and you, the community around this show, which I so appreciate. Now tomorrow, because I know so many of us are are doing things on Friday night, and I intend to be relaxing tomorrow night. Um, I am doing the show at 1 o'clock. There will still be some daytime shows. And 1 o'clock Pacific, I have on um, Megan Carnarius, and she is going to talk about a deeper perspective on Alzheimer's and other dementias, practical tools with spiritual insights. And, And Megan knows all about this topic because she has run a memory care center for many years or various memory care centers and she also consults in that area and she approaches this from a spiritual perspective a very gentle loving perspective so this is going to be a very unique show i hope if you're listening even in the archive version um, this show is on september 25th 2015 at 1 p.m pacific or 4 p.m eastern And it's going to be a special hour with Megan Carnarius. I want to let you know also that we are in the process of scheduling another interview with the wonderful Baptiste Pop and Dean Schrock, who are coming to Oregon, or or Dean lives in Oregon, but Baptiste is coming back to Oregon. And they are hosting a wonderful retreat in Yahats on the Oregon coast, one of the most beautiful places on earth. October 17th and 18th, 2015. And I know that um, many of you would benefit from checking this retreat out. So just letting you know, and you can go to deanschrock.com to learn all about that. So once again, everyone, thank you for being here. I greatly appreciate your support. Um, If you want to learn about how to support the show and also see the archive, we've got almost, as I said, we're in the fifth year now, almost to the the anniversary date, which is um, the end of October, um, FrontierBeyondFear.com. And you can also, this show will be up on that main page today um, for, for quite a while. So you'll be able to find this interview with Dean Slider. And really all the shows going all the way back are accessible to you there, as well as a calendar of what we have coming up. So thank you, everyone. And please do check out this website of Dean and this book, Natural Meditation. I truly am already benefiting. You can walk right into this book and immediately benefit from what Dean has to share, and I highly recommend it. So take care, everyone. (laughs) 